Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx on transformationtalkradio.com. Welcome Transformation Talk Radio listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart and I am the Pushy Broad from the Bronx. Welcome to my show Recovery Recharged on a brand new day starting off the summer second Wednesdays 11 a.m. on KKNW Radio and Transformation Talk Radio streaming Recovery Recharged today with my illustrious co-host as always the wonderful Dr. Pat. How you doing doc? You know I'm so excited about this show and I'm excited about what we're going to talk about here today and I'm excited about your guest as well because this is beyond belief this is really the tipping point if you do not get this it's it's highly unlikely sustainability is going to be in your life around recovery but that's just my two cents tell us about the show today Ellen Well, the name of the show is called The Spiritual Side of Recovery, and we're going to welcome the Pastor Carrie Fraser. But before that, I'm going to talk to you about a little little bit about her and what we're going to cover today. Because, you know, Dr. Pat, on this show, we talk about everything. We bring it up, and we, we don't hold anything back because you know me as the pushy broad. I'm going to tell it like it is, straightforward, no BS. And we're going to uncover the really tough topics. And that's what we've spent the last last year and a half talking about recovery from every aspect and talking with the experts and today is absolutely no different you know we've talked a lot about the fact that in this country and all over the world 12-step treatment is the way that recovery works and the most popular kind of treatment in this country is 12-step recovery it's based on a variety of things and one of those things constitutes the spiritual side of recovery And there are many people in this country that maybe wouldn't venture into 12-step recovery because the moment they think about that, they think about spirituality and, and faith and religion, and they shy away from this because they're not really sure what it's all about. So I brought in an expert, and that expert is the Reverend Carrie Fraser. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Carrie is the Vice President of Clinical Services with National Recovery Center. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's an ordained pastor with the Presbyterian Church USA and a certified spiritual counselor. Not only have I known her for the past 14 years, but I know that she has worked over 20 years in the field of addiction. Her experience and training integrates therapeutic and spiritual care, and she endeavors to treat the whole person. 
She specializes in substance use disorders, spiritual, religious issues, family of origin issues, premarital and marital counseling, and grief work. And this is what I love about Carrie. She truly believes that it is her sacred honor to journey with people in their healing and transformation. Transformation Talk Radio listeners, welcome Reverend Carrie Frazier. How you doing, Carrie? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Great to have you. Thank you. Dr. Pat, why don't you talk to us a, a little bit about the, the info, info we took uh, took up about the Gallup poll and how Americans feel about God. Yeah, I, I think this is really interesting given the city that I live in now and where I grew up. I grew up on the East Coast, New York, New Jersey area. Very different. Get, if, you, if you gave this Gallup poll over there, you'd, you'd get a different answer than what you had in, in the Seattle area. But the Gallup poll did ask people, and this is something now that's even more, um, how should I say, more dominant. And they asked people if they believed in God or universal spirit, right? And this number of this poll of Americans, you know, talked about um, the fact that like 74, 75% said it's important or fairly important in their lives. Um, And you might think to yourself, 74, yeah, this is not Rome. Like if you took this poll in Rome, Italy, (laughs) it would be like, 99.9% 99.9% maybe, but this is a big number. And what people are saying is, yeah, we do believe. Now, where we get a little bit different is what we believe in. And then let's talk about how spiritual belief is a cornerstone um, of recovery. And that's really what we're talking about today. It's a cornerstone. And by the way, if I can just chime in real quick, I don't want to chew up a lot of time. People have asked me, who do I think is responsible for the spherical spin in the 12-step programs? And I have two answers. One, Carl Jung, without a doubt. And if you want to go look at some of the early writings and early letters, there's a letter from Bill W. to Carl Jung. took Bill 30 years to thank Carl Jung. But if you find that out, you will find that the whole spiritual experience thing came from a letter. And Carl Jung had said, basically, I can't help this person anymore. I cannot help Roland H. anymore. He needs to have a spiritual experience and sent him out and said, go get one. Number one. Number two, the second more influential in my mind was a visit that the whole Bill W. team did and Marty Mann to a small place in Kent, Connecticut, called high watch and that is known for the teachings of emma curtis hopkins a new thought type person so that's my two cents on on spirituality but also on spirituality and substance abuse for me well of course prevalent in the 12 steps and comes right in from the beginning and the (laughs) second step about having spiritual experiences so carrie let's put this to you based on your experiences as a pastoral counselor in the addiction field what does a spiritual director do in treatment exactly just as a as a beginning for us to know Yes, I think the role for a spiritual director is to be that safe place that someone can come in and start to explore what spirituality may look like, especially when they're a part of a 12-step program. 
because they get to that second step and are trying to understand what does this language mean to me, especially if that has been something that's been absent from their life or they have some woundedness in that area, they, to be able to provide them a safe space to come and start to unpack what that's going to look like, maybe reform what that language means for them than maybe it did in, in their upbringing, what it meant to them previously in their life, um, and build some practices, build some spiritual practices that will help them help them connect, help them connect with themselves, help them connect with other people, and definitely help them connect with a higher power, whatever that understanding is for them. So I think having the spiritual director role is an added person and a separate person from the rest of their clinical team that they can just come in and talk about spirituality and not have it necessarily tied into other areas, but it's that safe place for them. So the most popular question that uh, everybody outside the 12-step treatment program, the most popular question they ask, and I want to go right to it, is people assume that 12-step recovery is a religious program. Give me an idea from, um, from your counseling what your definition would be as the difference between religious and spiritual when it comes to 12-step treatment. Sure. So... And I think that's a really important thing to, for people to be able to talk through and think about because sometimes people want to separate them out completely and you can be a religious person and also be a spiritual person and weave those pieces together or you can have them very separate. So when we're talking about spirituality, it is our personal individual relationship with something that we are connecting with that helps guide us in our life. A religious identity is that we are a part of a group that has a structure and form that we have, we have decided this is a part of how I understand how to move through life. So that you have the corporate kind of the corporate connection with other people, and then you have your own personal individual relationship. And that's where they can also weave and integrate together. And I think that can be if someone wants to take that journey, that's an added layer of their foundation and their recovery is to have those two, those two weave together. You can also practice them separately. And, and if you're diligent about practicing them, you're going to find the same, you're going to find the same gifts in that. When I first walked into the rooms in 1984, I had no idea this had anything to do with spirituality of any kind. How about you, Dr. Pat? Did you have any idea that this was uh, going to be about no, I none. I mean, I think if you kind of reflect back on where a person is, I mean, being at the point of desperation is an understatement, you know, talking about being at a bottom. And I think that you have an iota of it because you reach such a point where you have, where you surrender. And at least that's my experience. This is someplace you've gotten to in your life. Well, this last time was way too much. There's a point of surrender. I didn't know it at the time, but that point of surrender is what I call a spiritual intervention. But you don't know it as that. And it may take you a while to get there, right? Carrie, what's your experience with the patients that walk in? Are they immediately buying into the spiritual thing? <laughs> I, well, I think the language is what catches people up. And so one of the other ways that we talk that I talk about spirituality is that we all have a life force. And so that life force, and even, you know, think about an active addiction, that life force is what's driving people to survive what's going on in their life at that time. 
And so when they get to that point of, I need help and that place of surrender, that to me is that spiritual experience. They just necessarily don't have the language to call it that, but their deeper life force is compelling them to do something different to survive. And that is to me that that spiritual, that deeper spiritual connection that is helping push them to get help, to help push them to get to a place that's going to help them have that transformation. So the the first step in recovery is I am powerless over my addiction. My life has become unmanageable. The second step is became willing to um, accept that a power greater than myself, a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. So that power greater than myself is is something that goes on in treatment and goes on in the rooms. So one doesn't necessarily have to believe in God to be a part of that and and to understand that. How else can they understand a power greater than themselves, Carrie? Sure. And I think that the language itself, a power greater than myself, is so important and so incredibly powerful to start to look at. I need to build relationships with something that's not just me and my own thinking and my own ego. And instead, I need to find other people, other things in my life that will help give me some guidance, help me process through ideas that I have, if I'm trying to make a decision, that I have somebody else besides my own brain trying to guide and direct me. So that power greater than myself, it can be if you're in a if you're doing group therapy, it can be your therapy group because that collective is greater than my own thinking. It can be a 12-step meeting, your fellowship that you're a part of. It could be a relationship with a therapist. It can be a connection with with God or whatever language people use to talk about the divine or something greater than themselves and their own their own mind. I think our minds can talk us in or out of anything. And I think especially in early recovery, people haven't learned to be able to kind of trust that that intuition part. And so they need other people and other things to help give that guidance and help them sort through what they're what they're thinking. So maybe they can also trust that one of the powers greater than themselves is a good recovery coach. What do you think? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, Dr. Pat, how do you feel about the spirituality part of this program? Does it resonate with you? Um, I will tell you that for me, it, I don't even talk about spirituality as a part of the program. It's a way of life for me. Um, and, you know, I can probably try to talk about when that epiphany happened or when it didn't happen or how it happened. Um, but it starts out with an introduction in a program whether it's AA, NA, it doesn't matter, any, any place, if, even if it's not any of those programs. But if you reach out to get support, you know, like if you take a look at what we're talking about, NRC in Nashville, and you take a look and you look on their site, you look at sober living, you're really talking about, wait a minute, you know, we're here to help you change your life, right? This is a change your life conversation. Now, There are some people, I think, that can go through this without a strong spiritual foundation. I don't know many of them, but I certainly know that this got me pointed into a way of living that I didn't know would be so powerful. 
See, it's powerful to have a way of living that is spirit driven. Every day I wake up and I ask the question, what is mine to do today? That's my, that's my meditation. You know, some people do the prayer of St. Francis, whatever you do, but that became mine after memorizing all the other prayers. I boiled it down to what is mine to do today. I cannot imagine my life without a strong spiritual practice. I just can't. I mean, I, I want to ask you about this question. There's an illusion that getting sober or getting clean is the most different, difficult part of the journey. I don't know about you two, but getting sober and clean was the easy part of the journey. Sober living. Now, ladies, that's a whole different conversation. Anybody want to take that on? Carrie, you want to take that on? Sure. You, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, and I think, I think there's, I think part of the illusion piece early on for people can be that I've gotten sober. And if there is also the spiritual connection that somehow it wraps a protective bubble around me. And so the things that happen in life aren't going to happen to me anymore. And then we all know that life continues. And so the hardships in life continue also. And that's the, so, that's the sober living part is learning how to move through the next hardship that comes and the next challenges that come and recovery and having a spiritual life doesn't keep us from having those experiences. It teaches us how to walk through them. It teaches us how to stay connected with ourselves and with other people as we face those. And I think that's, I think that's a glitch in the early part for some people that they want, they want this to be okay. Now I have my, I have my bubble wrap around me from the world and I'm going to be okay. You know, I completely understand. And I agree with both of you. The reason that I became a recovery coach was exactly the reason that you mentioned Dr. Pat, because just stopping the drink or the drug was only the beginning of sustaining and change and real change in your life, which is exactly what this transformation process is, because it is a transformation process, which is exactly why I was attracted to Transformation Talk Radio, because it's all about <laughs> the change beyond just not picking up a drink or a drug. And the words that we use in spirituality are really important. The, um, the surrendering part of it right? It is so difficult for everybody, especially in early recovery, to let go of the fact that what they have been doing their whole life has to change. That's a very scary thing. And sometimes the way to lessen your fear is to understand that someone else is work, walking with you. And sometimes that is a something else, okay, in the spirit of things. There are many patients that I, many clients that I deal with all the time. Some of them are spiritually involved, some of them are not. But every single one of them does not deny that the universe moves in its own way, in its own pattern. And going along with the universe or something beyond themselves is the only way to sustain recovery. So what happens when you get into a room, Carrie, with all of these people that have all different faiths and beliefs? What's their commonality? How do you forge ahead? I think the commonality is that people want to, they want to be well, they want to feel connection, 
and they want to be accepted and they want to be loved. And so I think that's the commonality is people want to be loved. And so how being able to find the language that people can share in that together and it, that it's okay to experience it differently and it's okay to have different spiritual practices. I think that one, when you can feel confident in that, then what other people are sharing, you don't feel like you have to defend what your practices are. And instead you can embrace, you can embrace theirs and may, and learn something different. And sometimes it strengthens your own practice because you know, it really helps you know why this is important to you. And other times it kind of expands things. Like, I really like what that person's talking about. I'm going to try that. Or I yeah. mentioned a book, they mentioned a meditation practice. I'm going to, I'm going to see what that is like. So I think being able to share their share people's experiences and know that it's okay for me to be able to process this because everyone in here wants the same thing. And it's a long and difficult journey, don't you think, Dr. Pat? It's not yeah, easy. Oh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what I think about it is exactly what I, I just want to reflect on what we're talking about. And Carrie, what you said is, um, <clears throat> you know, what I love is if we could get to this place, and certainly there are many avenues where acceptance is the first step. And that means acceptance for where you are, acceptance for the fact that you're still drinking and you're, you're coming into rooms, no problem. Acceptance that, you know, there's more than one spiritual focus or religion. There are people all over the world experiencing sobriety and getting clean. And we don't talk about it because conversations and shows like this, and we've done, we've had a conversation where you're not supposed to talk about it on radio. Well, I don't think that's what Bill meant. Um, but here we are because we have to help people. And I want to talk about this. The hardest part for me, and I glommed onto it, because I thought this chapter was written for people like me. And also the other two guys that, that I was with, they thought too. <clears throat> it's called We Agnostics. And I will tell you <clears throat> that a chapter called We Agnostics mentions God, spirit, universe, higher power. A chapter called We Agnostics, my favorite chapter of any book. The huge trick about that is I read it and I went back and I said, this is a joke. God's spirit is mentioned 111 times in this chapter. And my sponsor said, no, I think you counted wrong. Now, this is a brilliant man. He says, it's not. Why don't you go back and read it again? Because there's a, I got a different number. So I go back and read it again, and I said to Bearded Bill, okay, it's 112 times. Underlined it, circled it, different colored codes in this chapter. I still have a copy of it. Went back. He said, no, I got a different number. What did you guys get? You got a different number? Yeah, we got 110. Go back and do it again. Within a week, I had read this chapter five times, and I get why he did it. It's not even close to be about we agnostics, is it? But it presents the most challenging aspect of sobriety in a way 
then I think anybody can understand it because you can pick and choose whatever you want from that chapter. What do you both think? Carrie, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think We Agnostics is a rich, rich <laughs> chapter for people to be able to do some exploring. And, and there are times I think that they feel like when they see the title that they um, are questioning why they've been asked to read it. But it can also start to break, it can also start to lead to those conversations about what are the barriers that have, that are, are placed in, in your own life that have made that difficult to be able to explore what your spiritual life looks like. Mm -hmm. So even when the discomfort happens from reading that chapter, it can re it can then lead to the breakthrough conversation. Mm -hmm. What do I want? What do I want for my life? Why am I resisting or have having the experiences, the defenses that I'm having about reading this. Yeah. I want to ask each of you, and can we do this? I, I really want to know, you know, I, I mean, I want to talk about this, the barriers, but I'm just curious, you know, that question you asked me a little differently. So how did the spiritual journey help you find your voice? And I'm asking you both because I'm asking everybody because clearly there's something about this deal right here that people find their voice. I mean, it's almost as if you're sitting in a room and you have nothing to say until this happens. And then all of a sudden you can't shut up. But how did it help you find your voice? And I don't mean just in sobriety, but I'm serious. My life today, you know, the God of my understanding is either everything or it's nothing. The God of my understanding either is or it isn't. And I, I decided to choose that like it is but how about you two carrie first of all give us a little bit of an idea what brought you spiritually into the field of substance misuse because you certainly do a great job so what drove you there well i think part of that is my spiritual journey is that i it was you know i really um i love working with people and i knew that that's what my life mission was going to be. And I also then wanted to connect the importance of my spiritual life into that so that my passion and my vocation would meet, would match and they would meet with one another. And so I, in my early twenties, was working in an, an adolescent substance abuse treatment center and the spiritual piece wove right into that. And it has just always been a part of how I have practiced therapy and led groups and then had the opportunity to really hone in on the spiritual care and have that really be a big chunk of what I did meeting with clients and, and patients and doing groups and individual work around spirituality. So it's, I think because it's, it is the foundation for me that ha as my, as my career has changed paths, that has just been a part of it. Because it's it's the only way I know how to live my life is as a spiritual person, and so the the roles that come into my life have match that because it's how I orient myself. That's a wonderful thing. For me, uh, Dr. Pat, you got the key word there. You said surrender. When I went into the rooms in 1984, I was at the lowest of the low. I didn't know which end was up. And I, like you, walked into a, a, an Al-Anon room and they said to me, uh, you belong someplace else. <laughs> we need to take you next door. So <laughs> 
which is which is what they did. And and I'll tell you something. The only reason I went is because this cute guy escorted me into the oh uh, nice right, the Narcotics yeah. Anonymous room and said, "Come this way." And I said, "Oh, okay. Let's see what this is all about." That's exactly where I walked in. But I was at such a low point in my life that I said, "I will do anything," and anything meant I'm going to follow directions because I didn't want to think anymore. I had nothing going for me. Everything was caving in on me. And when you get to the point where the whole world is caving in on you, all you want to do is to be saved in some way. Save me, help me, get me out of this. And the only thing they told me to do was shut up, listen, and follow directions. And I said, you know what? I have nothing else to lose. I have absolutely nothing else to lose. So here it was. I was totally powerless. And then the second step came along and it said to me, my God, I something greater than myself is going to make me more sane. Let's see what that is. And then we get reinforced. We begin to work this program. And like they say in the rooms a million times, the miracles will come. Okay, and they use that word miracle. So it has to come from spirituality somewhere because miracles don't just materialize without something else happening. So even if you can't explain it or you don't want to acknowledge it, you have to understand that you begin to feel better. And when you begin to feel better, especially where we've come from and how far down it's been for us and how tough it's been. I'll take anything. And if that's what miracles are, I want more of it. And that's how it worked for me, for sure. So tell us a little bit more about what's going on at Nashville Recovery Center. Give us an idea of what that, that's all about and the work yeah. that you do. Yeah, because I also referenced uh, Sober Living Tap. And I, I think that's something we don't talk about. We don't talk about, like, life. Yeah, so what we what we have created and built here is we really wanted there to be a longer term step down program for people who have um, have been in residential treatment or that they they've been trying to do they've been trying to do this on their own at home and they just know that they need extra support. So we have structured sober living that includes clinical programming, and then they can continue to step down from an PHP partial hospitalization program level to IOP intensive outpatient program level, live in our sober living homes, attend meetings, have case management, have therapy, go to 12 step meetings, which we also have various fellowships that meet in our, um, in our big room here every day of the week so that they can actually do that here while they're getting ready to kind of practice that out in Nashville itself. Then they can they can move to our apartments. We have step-down apartments and they can be part of, part of our outpatient program and then move into our alumni. So potentially someone can stay here. We've had people stay here a year, year and a half, and then they were ready to move into their own apartment. They were working, they had a sponsor, they were sponsoring sponsoring other people had their home group. I mean, they, and they felt safe enough and confident enough that they could step out into living on their own or living with a, with a roommate. So it's really trying to give people that support, that structured support so that the longer we can keep them connected, the better chance they'll have of staying, of having long-term sobriety and recovery. Mm -hmm. 
So everybody starts off with um, with working the steps and uh, they begin their spiritual journey. Do you find that men and women approach spirituality differently? I think I think one of the differences can be with how women tend to be more communal in how they form relationships. So they will be more likely to be comfortable doing like going to a yoga class or attending a meditation group where maybe they're because they are they're used to being more communal and a lot of in and sharing about their spirituality men that's that's usually an area of discomfort coming in especially with the isolation of addiction that to then be able to start to share with other people and share share their spiritual life and their understandings with other people that can be difficult in the beginning because it's a vulnerable it's very vulnerable to share what you what your belief system is or your lack of or what you're struggling with so i do feel that sometimes women are they're used to talking in groups more often than men about those more vulnerable places so they're able to start to process their language and their understanding differently earlier on so uh, someone someone comes into the rooms and they sit down with you and they're talking about spirituality in the beginning what what are some of the difficulties that come across in early recovery when it comes to spirituality what are you coming across some of the barriers why won't they be as opened as as you'd like them to be I think family of origin or religion of origin pieces oftentimes are a barrier that there's some type of wounding that happened earlier, early on in life, whether it was feeling like they were forced to attend services, whatever their family's religious tradition was, or there was what they were taught or given was punishing or a judgmental understanding of God. Um, and so that, that that can create a barrier. And definitely if there's been any like religious abuse, if there's been a violation of right, a religious right. leader in their life, right. um, or if there's been abuse within their family and their family identified as being a religious family, then that can also be a barrier of trying to understand this. Why would I want to have this relationship with a God that I have been taught was scary, judgmental, punishing, or that didn't protect me from these things that happened in my life growing up or has or have hasn't protected me in my adult life as I've had things that have happened. So I think that's one of the one of the definite barriers to begin to start to work through and also working on what what is someone's understanding. I often call it like the Santa Claus version of God that I either get rewarded or punished. And so if I'm good, I'm going to get the rewards. But if something, something painful happens in my life, then I must be a bad person. And so being able to start to create a different understanding of who God can be or what a higher power can be that doesn't have such a pendulum swing in, in what happens in our life. And if that means we're rewarded or punished. That's really very interesting and much more intense than we're sometimes led to believe. So spiritual counseling can be very effective in many different ways in eliminating some of those barriers. 
Yeah. So yeah. what what do you say to someone that has completely lost faith? How do you turn them around? Well, I think you start with what are they looking for, and take off the t- take out of the room that there needs to be any definition of anything right now. But what is something that they can start with that will help some kind of practice that will help them get some relief in their life? And that may be reading, it could be reading some type of devotion or meditation book and finding a word in that book that they can just kind of carry with them through the day and see what happens with it. It could be a journaling practice. It could be going for a walk and being aware of nature. And one of the things again, like especially earlier recovery with the isolation piece is just being able to see, oh my gosh, the sun is up and it's a beautiful day. And I'm, I'm listening to the birds sing and I haven't even been aware that birds have been singing for the last three or four months or however long it might be. Yeah. Three or four decades. (laughs) I just say it like for the past three or four decades, bird, what's a bird? Yes. So starting to build on those pieces of let's take all the language away from it and go have an experience. And then let's talk about what that experience was like and what it did for you. So, Dr. Pat, do you think you've had a few spiritual awakenings in your time in recovery? You know, um, I want to talk about this because I want to ask you both about it. The answer is yes. And once that happened to me, I realized that I had had them before. Right. So it's kind of like there's this new level of awareness and awakening that happens. And many people have asked me to describe it and explain it. And, you know, there's not a quick answer and there's not an easy definition and there's certainly not uh, an easy um, description. Every one of us is different. We're going to feel it different. You know, we're going to experience it different. Um, Many people ask about what I think about Bill W's experience. And of course, I know a lot about that in Belladonna and a few other things. And of course, um, it doesn't really matter to me. You know, if your version of a spiritual experience is unique to you and none of us is here to judge that, you know, if you're talking to fish and fish to answer you back, by the way, that's a real thing that happened to me. Just say it. And um, you weren't we, under the influence with no mood altering. No, no influence. Right? Nothing this there. Like Nothing there. Sober. Okay. But okay. what I'm trying to say is you find a new way. I don't know how to say this any differently. There's a new way. I don't know about you ladies, but I really have to bring this up. My pivotal moment before even we agnostics and the universe and God of my understanding or God or any of that. I was fortunate to have a sponsor who had the three of us memorize the promises out of the gate. Don't read the book, memorize these. And I remember reading them and then memorizing them and just wanted to punch him out. I mean, and how brilliant is this? And now when I work with women, that is it. That's the first thing you have to do um, with me. But it was the best gift because what I realized later, those are portals to spiritual manifestations, right? Or spiritual experience that lead to life-changing manifestations, And that is more powerful than anything. I mean, think about how old those are, ladies. 
and think about all the books now that have come out about the power of intention and the law of attraction. And to be honest with you, just go look at those promises. I'm talking about the ninth step. There are many promises. But aren't those as a part of any program, I don't care if it's AA or you take a webinar on, you know, manifesting your part of gold. Does it get any more powerful than those? I'd like to know that from each of you. It really doesn't. But but because of what you just said, I know that Carrie and I were talking about this the other day. When people begin to experience that spirituality and those miracles and that awakening and the answer to some of the promises that you were talking about, how can that sometimes confuse somebody in early recovery? Remember, Carrie, we talked yes. about that. Oh, I, are you going to answer that? Carrie, you go first. Okay. I will. Yeah. It, I think it is confusing and it can be really scary to be able to start to see things changing and shifting. And especially when you start to feel it inside, because that's a part of also getting your feelings back and having those experiences that are deeper within. And that can be a really overwhelming experience. And I, and I think when you were talking before too about having those spiritual awakenings is helping to normalize and ground people when they have those spiritual experiences, but also then help them to see the everyday things that are happening. So that your spiritual awakening for it doesn't always have to be a huge mountaintop experience. It can be an everyday experience that you you made your bed today. And that is a you, that's an action step that can be a spiritual awakening because it shifted something in your day or you looked someone in the eye that normally you would have your head down or you said good morning or hello or whatever it is. Those are spiritual experiences to be able to have because they're creating a shift in how people are living their life and that creates the bigger transformation and they they start to get that feedback from other people and other things and they start, they can feel it and experience it. So what do you think, Dr. Pat? Did you, did you sometimes, were you sometimes confused by your spiritual awakenings? Um, first of all, confused is an understatement because I don't think you even realize you're having one. You know what I mean? I, I think you go through these things and and the promises start to come true and you don't really put the dots together i'm not quite sure when the dot i was i have to tell you i was very fortunate um i had someone that that mentored us i mean this was in new york and we would get in a car and we would drive to places and to read spiritual things we drove to high watch right we stepped into the place that was called, it's so spiritual here. What did Bill Wilson say? You know, you could cut the, the air with a knife or something. I don't remember his exact quote. But but I, I was very fortunate to work with somebody that was hands-on. So my mentorship is also hands-on. You know, I was very fortunate to be given very challenging things to try to absorb. Um, and to really... Mem have to memorize something that I didn't believe in. I mean, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. I would ask, when are we, are, are we there? Are we halfway yet? Are we there I yet? Mean, every, are we there I, yet? I, I, was, I was like, are we halfway? Are we there yet? 
you know, is that, what am I going to know? Am I going to know when we're, what, what phase of the development? We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. And then the pain part happened before the freedom part. But, you know, can I ask you both, don't we learn for the first time maybe in our lives through a spiritual um, teaching? Don't we learn how to deal with the reflection in the mirror? Right? Don't we learn that when we look in the mirror and we see ourselves, you know, we become unrecognizable to our past. You know, we start crying and we don't know why we're crying. You know, we have moments where we feel joy and we don't know what that is. And, you know, a sponsor has to tell us. But aren't these the things we need to be reminding folks of as well? I mean, I'm sure you both have had that. I see it every single time in my clients' eyes, and I'm sure, Carrie, you see it in the patients that you deal with. I, I know what that looks like. What does that look like to you when you can see that somebody's turned a corner in that way? Oftentimes you can see it in their eyes, like the life has come back in someone's eyes. Beautiful. And... And it's just, you recognize, you, when you see it, you know it, because you can you can feel their energy has changed and they can be incredibly scared about what's happening because they can feel it too. But for me, it's always, I can see it in their eyes. They have come back to life. It's that light bulb moment. I can actually see that light bulb over their head going on. All of a sudden, the lights in the house are on and they're speechless. It yeah. is really a stunningly speechless moment, and that's marvelous. And I think the thing that we all have to remember is that recovery itself, the program itself, is a faith-based program. And that doesn't mean religious program. That means that I am now, for the first time in my life, having faith in myself and in something beyond myself that now I'm going to get better. I'm going to get well. It's going to be different, right? That change is finally possible, that I can actually change, right? And that I don't have all the answers, but there's actually a program and something to work on and steps to look at that may provide me with those answers. And that I have to trust and, and what's, what is faith and spirituality, if not trust? Blind faith, blind trust. And go outside of myself for all of the answers. So that's why I think spirituality works really, really well in 12-step recovery. And I don't think that, that Dr. Bob and Bill could have, could have succeeded without that component in recovery. It would not have been as successful. No. No, because, I mean, this is what I said to you earlier. I mean, you know, I love becoming a student as well as somebody that is learning. I, and again, I talked to somebody that I got the experience with for 10 years, and he would not take like an answer. He'd say, go find that letter. Go find the letter from, Car from Bill Wilson to Carl Jung. And, you know, now you can Google that and you'll get it. But back then, you couldn't Google it. You'd have to dig, and you'd have to find, and you'd have to call people. But if you read the letter, and you read the, the key point that Bill says, we would not, we did not give you the credit we should have given you. We would not be the program today without your recommendation for this one individual that he must have a spiritual experience. 
And I think that that opened up a door to allow for a conversation and a demonstration because what followed that were people getting sober. See, that's what followed it. So this is what we don't talk about enough. It's like there was an epiphany. You got to have this experience, right? Then you have the experience. Then you see the cases that start to mount up of people getting sober and staying sober. You're absolutely right. And that's how the miracles ensue. So, Carrie, can you give us some ideas? I know you have lots of ideas as to how one can actually practice their spiritual journey. Great question. Yes. Well, I I think some of it is looking at what what is someone's interest? Because anything that you are interested in, you can turn into a spiritual practice if that's how you want to orient it. So if you enjoy running, then practice that as your, that can be a spiritual practice. You can connect with nature if you're running out and be the mindfulness piece of that. You are honoring your body. You can offer, if you're a praying person, you can offer a prayer of gratitude to have this body that can do this. Um, If you like to create art, that can you that can be your spiritual practice. If you're a creative person, it's setting the intention about why am I doing these? What am I doing? And what's my intention behind it? And then I think there's also that communal piece. And then I can also be a part of groups and share sharing that with groups, whether it's going to be a meditation group, whether it is a book club and we're going to read books that we can talk about our spirituality or we can talk about how these help us live our lives. It can practicing spirituality can be, I'm going to have coffee with someone and I'm going to get past the surface stuff and I am going to connect with them. Um, It can be joining a spiritual group or religious group and being a part of that kind of community and developing a prayer practice, a meditation practice, Um, I think anything that you have passion about, you can turn that into part of your spiritual practice and your spiritual journey. You're right. And I think it's also understanding that you can rediscover your purpose and you can re-examine your values. And that's a very big part of this, correct? Yes, yes. And then be able to see what Sometimes it's it's the first time someone has ever thought that they they have a possibility of doing something with their life. And so part of that spiritual journey can be opening opening up to see what what is possible and potential for them that is not about anybody else that has told them what they can or can't do in the past and instead this is about what I can do and what I want to do and what I feel led to do in my life. You've noticed, uh, you've noticed, listeners, that in this entire hour, we have not once mentioned religion or God in this conversation, understanding that spirituality and the spiritual journey and recovery may not have to consider those things for you still to experience the miracle of faith and understanding that this program works. What do you think about that, Reverend Fraser? <laughs> yes. Yeah, our... Kind of we started off with, if we look at our spiritual life as being our life force, then however I nurture that life force is my spiritual life. And I don't have to tie it to any formal language of that I mention anything about the divine with that, any form of the divine. I don't have to be connected with a religious organization 
to be able to know that there are certain ways when I live my life a certain way and I take care of myself in certain ways, my life is better. And I'm a, I'm a healthier person. I'm a more loving person and I'm able to receive love from other people in healthier ways when I orient my life a certain way. That's why even agnostics like Dr. Pat can embrace this program, right, Pat? Well, you notice I did say the God of my understanding three times. Just want to point that out. And I and the reason I'm pointing it out is it took me a really long time. I'm one of those people that had a, an abusive situation in a Catholic boarding school. And, you know, I'm one of those people. But what I realized is that, and, and I realized it early on, that my issue wasn't with the man, Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. It wasn't with the teachings of any of the masters. It was with the institutional behavior. And once I was able to tease that apart, I had the freedom to choose. See, this is what we're talking about. We're calling this a spiritual program, but you have the freedom to choose what that means to you, right? For a long time, I referenced my Harley Davidson, Harley Davidson. <laughs> as the my life source energy doesn't matter it's just not me if it's you you got to think about whoa how did that work for you like for like those years but this is powerful isn't it it's a powerful conversation and i wish we had more of them about this aspect of clean and sober so, Carrie, what do you want our listeners to come away with? Give us a, a, a message that's rooted in recovery and spirituality so we can take some positive energy into the universe today as yeah. we leave. People to have fun with their spiritual life. I, you know, I think because it is what feeds us. And so to be able to to be able to nurture it, to have fun with it, be able to share it with other people, be willing to be fed from other people. And I think that's the game changer. I think that is where the transfer, the transformation happens to, to enjoy it. It doesn't, it not to make it a bunch of hard work all the time, but instead really have fun with it. Let your spirit come to life with what your practices are that you choose to live into. And as you mentioned, there are so many different ways to do that, right? Not only in the traditional way, but through meditation and journaling and using your creative power and influences and and working on aff uh, affirmations or manifestations or, or, you know, getting on your Harley Davidson and riding across the country, whatever turns you on, right, Dr. Pat? Yeah, boy, I'm telling you, I'm feeling it right now. Just saying, little sunshine out here in the Pacific Northwest. And, but let's just go back to this. None of this would exist without sober living. I mean, isn't it great that, you know, the three of us get to show up and do a show like this? It's absolutely amazing. I'm really, None of really it happens. grateful for this. Yeah. It's no question. Carrie, thanks so much for yeah. being with us today. We yeah. really appreciate it. You've brought so much to the table. And I hope that we have cleared up quite mm -hmm. a bit for listeners, understanding that your spiritual journey is what you make it and is certainly a solid part mm -hmm. of recovery. How do we find out about Carrie? How do we find out about each of you? Let's get, you know, what's the best website for folks to go? Carrie? So um, Nashville Recovery Center, 
that would be the best website to find out what we are doing from anything from our sober living to our programming to the social events that we we host fantastic and as always pushy broad from the bronx.com 1-800-889-1757 still doing free sessions for covid19 stress relief and everything else that you need come ask your question give me a call send me an email i'm right here for you as always you've been listening to recovery recharged with certified life and recovery coach ellen stewart pushy broad from the bronx Don't miss your next opportunity to let me help you recharge your recovery, let go of your secrets, and change the way you think, feel, and act right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com.